This is the Podium Finish Live from Austin, Texas, and various points across the country. Here's your host, Rob Tiamson. And a good, good day to everyone out there listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. Welcome to the Podium Finish Live here, and I'm your host, Rob Tiamson. Joined alongside, as always, Nathan Solomon. We're so happy that you could join us for episode number 66 of the world's fastest hour of racing talk. And we've got a lot to cover on this edition because we're going to look back at the action at Martinsville Speedway and look ahead to all that's going to be happening at the world's fastest track in the world, according to Mike Joy, Talladega Super Speedway. Yes, folks, it's time for another jam-packed edition of 200 mile an hour racing around this 2.66 mile racetrack in Lincoln, Alabama, just outside of Talladega. And we've got three people that will be there in the form of Trish McCormick, Stephen Conley, and Riley Thompson. So triple threat action, if you will, on this very busy weekend. And also, too, we've got the Ritchie brothers covering the Cars Tour action at Hickory Motor Speedway. So there's so much to get to. And then, of course, we're one week away from Nathan Solomon's second race of the season as he'll lead our Northeast boys team, if you will, um, with Josh Jones and Sam Drace at Dover Motor Speedway for the Worth 400. We'll talk a lot about that next week, I'm sure. But we've got a lot to get to because it's Friday afternoon as we're recording this. So that means Xfinity qualifying is happening. And we're going to definitely do our predictions as well. And we've got a double dosage of guest for this edition because it's all about the Xfinity series as far as we're concerned. So kind of a Nathan Solomon edition of the show because we're going to talk about uh, Brandon Jones and Ryan Ellis for this week's hot seat. So pretty cool stuff as far as we're concerned. So we hope you enjoy that later, a little bit later on. But right now, let's go bring in my man, Nathan, because uh, we're, we're ready to talk about Talladega, I, I would imagine. So uh, Nathan, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. I'm very excited to get back to the track next weekend. So uh, looking forward to that. It's always good um, when an early season month like this, or, or early early month in the year, I guess that's the better way to say it, um, when I'm at the track twice. So um, I like the like the Monster Mile for sure. So excited to get back there. Hopefully it'll stay dry this year. Uh, but first we have uh, Talladega. So that should always be fun. Um, always puts on a good show. We got three races this weekend. Got Arca, got Xfinity, and then Cup on Sunday. So I know that there's been a lot of talk about the, the Cup Series Super Speedway racing package, but with hopefully a wider racetrack in Talladega compared to Atlanta and, and, and Daytona, um, hopefully we'll see some, some good three-wide racing and, and we'll see really good and, and hopefully a safe race as well. Absolutely. It doesn't matter if it's 50 lead changes or five lead changes or 15. If everyone's okay, you know, that's all that matters to Talladega this weekend. So should be fun and good stuff as, as far as we're concerned with um, Xfinity, Anarca even, and then the Cup Series, like you said, with the wider uh, track that they're going to play around with on Sunday, we should hopefully see some better action for sure. And one thing we have, we don't have to worry about is weather. It should be clear. So you folks at Talladega Boulevard, behave yourselves. <laughs> don't do anything too crazy, but that's just telling uh, people in Mardi Gras not to be too crazy either. So why am I preaching that? Let's just talk about racing, of course. So before we get into all of that action, I do want to also mention, too, that uh, we had um, Wayne Thomas Regal over at Indianapolis because he was covering the one day of open test session that happened on Thursday. So there's some great shots that Wayne took. So we're going to do a little photo gallery uh, article for him. 
about what happened at Indianapolis. Not to mention, I am so excited that pretty much for every single race, that's a major IndyCar or NASCAR event, from here on until at least Memorial Day weekend, we've got people everywhere. It's the first time ever in TPF's 15-year history. So I am so happy. I'm so excited for our team. We'll talk about all that roster stuff towards the end of the show, but I, I just know that Nathan's pretty excited to go back next weekend. He, in fact, I would say he's kind of leading the momentum in terms of next week's coverage, and then May is going to be so spectacular. I, I am so stoked. Um, I can't get the smile off my face about it. So before we talk about the month of May, we still got to focus on April, and we also got to talk about our sponsor, SpoilerDiecast.com. So let's hear about why you should shop at SpoilerDieCast.com right now. Hey, racing fans. Are you in the hunt for the latest diecast cars from Lionel Racing or F1 or IndyCar diecasts? Well, look no further. If you head to SpoilerDieCast.com, you'll find all of the latest and greatest diecast cars and get free shipping and 5% off of your orders if you use promo code TPF by spending $20 or more on your items. Head over to SpoilerDieCast.com and let Evan and his team know that you want the best diecast cards around. So just head on over to SpoilerDieCast.com and make your latest purchases today. And yes, folks, again, if you use promo code TPF, you'll save yourself 5% and get free shipping if your order is $20 or more. And uh, I can tell you for a fact that Lionel Racing's Shipping containers are arriving much earlier. So if you placed that pre-order in January and felt a little bit sad that, you know, your 2023 diecast car wouldn't make it until like June or July, well, don't fear because uh, you're going to see those cars arrive just before the Coke 600 race weekend. So you couldn't do those little lineups if you want. Be like that guy who has Baron Speedway on Instagram and uh, get your diecast lineup set in stone because Evan and his team are going to ship those cars as soon as they arrive at his business. So. SpoilerDiecast.com. We'd like to, you know, support small businesses, and they're a great friend of ours here at TPF Live. Now, before we talk about shopping even further, why don't we talk about the racing action that matters right now with Podium Perspectives? You know, I, when I wrote the recap and winter circle pieces for TPF, I wished I realized a little fun fact that happened after the race on Sunday afternoon. Now, of course, Kyle Larson, who started 19th in Sunday's NOCO 400, didn't really look that fantastic. I would say pedestrian, but good, but nothing, you know, earth shattering. But he finished ninth in stage one and 10th in stage two. He went on to win the race. Now, of course, I would say a little bit of luck factored into it with those two late race cautions and some good pit strategy as well from the returning crew chief, Cliff Daniels, with that two-tire pit stop with about 50 or so to go. Now, the fun fact I wanted to share before Nathan chimes in is that Kyle Larson has swept the spring cup races at, in the state of Virginia or Commonwealth of Virginia. So he must love the Dominion state one way or another so and they're both short tracks so a little bit of nerdiness to share with the show but Nathan you know we talked a little bit about Larson's season last year 
how the short tracks weren't their greatest feat or feats of strength, if you will. You know, do you feel like they're an even better team, not just from last year, but even their championship season in 2021? Well, I wouldn't go as far as say it's 2021. I mean, I think that they're in probably, I mean, they're certainly better shape than they were from last year. I mean, they, they picked up their second win last year at Watkins Glen, so that was late in the year. I mean, they obviously won early. They got locked into the playoffs, so they didn't really have a whole lot to worry about. Um, but now having the two wins, I mean, I guess two wins is the, the full threshold now in, in, for, for getting into the playoffs because one win technically won't get you in, and, and we saw last year that it one win isn't necessarily safe, right? So um, I guess he's fully locked in the playoffs now, so that, that's the important thing. And now I think the, the eye test is whether they can just close out races. I mean, that was kind of the killer last year. They just had trouble closing out races. And then this year, I mean, I guess you could say they had trouble closing out races, but it was also at the same time just a couple of um, poorly timed cautions. I think, what was it, Las Vegas or Phoenix? or I, I, Maybe I'm missing the exact tracks, but I think twice on the West Coast swing, um, you probably had the best car, you probably had the winning car, but then a late caution changed that, and then other people like his teammate William Byron ended up winning. So the cautions have, have certainly fallen his way these last couple of weeks, which definitely helped, but every week they're in position. So, I mean, he's certainly going to go out and, and get more wins. I think with the next-gen car, there's enough parity. I don't think we're going to see it certainly not going to see a season like what we saw in 2021. And I don't know if that will, at least with this generation of car, will ever get fully replicated by everybody. But um, all the Hendrick cars look strong right now. I mean, we could certainly see Larson in the five to six to seven win category. And then that's kind of, kind of what we saw Chase Elliott in last year. He was really the dominant Hendrick car. Obviously now he could have been that, that dominant Hendrick car if he didn't get hurt and didn't miss those six weeks. And it's certainly possible he becomes that dominant car in the summer, but yeah, I mean, you know, you look at the two cars that have that have two wins right now. It's Kyle Larson and it's William Byron. So um, I think more than anything, I think Hendrick Motorsports has the advantage over the rest of the field versus, I think, one team over the other. I mean, I think the five and the 24 are right there. Um, the nine obviously has work to do. Um, and then, you know, the 48 has really not been that far behind the other two so far. They've just not been able to get into victory lane yet. They've been maybe the most consistent car uh, out of all you know 36 charter teams so far so um the five's in a really good position but i, I think more importantly hendrick motorsports uh, is in a really good position to um potentially dominate this season that's pretty bad news for the competition when you know that hendrick motorsports no matter what iteration of cup car or rules changes that's been implemented they just seem to have their homework done and it goes beyond those drivers and those cars you have to think about Chad Canales, who's seeing up the competition side of things, you know, Jeff Gordon's input, despite the fact he's not driven this cup car in quite some time, you know, I, I would like to think his knowledge and expertise certainly pays dividends for sure. And they have good crew chiefs as, as well. You know, Blake Harris, Cliff Daniels, Rudy Fugel, Alan Gustafson. Now they're, they're like four head coaches that, you know, if this was a, a hockey, you know, hockey arena type of arena situation for the playoffs, it would be like having the four conference champions leading the way for you. So it's pretty, pretty scary stuff that's, you know, brewing at the Concord, North Carolina shop um, if you're the com competition against Hendricks. So, but I know there's going to be teams that will step it up. Joe Gibbs, Richard Childress, and, you know, even Stuart Haas Racing, as we saw on Sunday, they were just, they were starting to get some speed there with Ryan Priest, Kevin Harvick, even Chase Briscoe. Uh, nine good fingers and one broken middle finger and still did a good job. So, and Eric Alamarola too. So there's a lot of competitions to be had 
and like you said, uh, Nathan, the, the parody is quite prevalent. I, and I forget, failed to mention 40, uh, the 2311 team too. Tyler Riddick's in a, <laughs> he's going to be pretty tough once they get more consistency with that Billy Scott-led team uh, in 2023. You know, speaking of Chase Elliott, and I know kind of, a, we have an inside joke right now in TPF about how Chase Elliott's name's mentioned everywhere uh, and promoted everywhere, but uh, he is the leading face of the sport and certainly the most popular driver in the sport. Well, he made his triumphant return to cup racing, if you didn't know, after his injury sustained in Vail, Colorado with the snowboarding accident. And I would say it's fair to say that for the first two stages, it was a bit of acclimatization and just, you know, the car not being to his liking. But then in those last 30 laps, it's like, man, Chase Elliott just found his form and he climbed from like the top 15 to finish 10th in the last few laps of that race which almost makes me think that the more reps that Chase got in that car, the more comfortable he became. And you mentioned, Nathan, in the, on the previous topic, you know, how right now Kyle's the winning guy with William Byron, but it won't, it may not be long before Chase Elliott finds his winning form again. So, I mean, I know I asked you this question last week, but we got to see a little bit of Chase back in action in a 400 lab race. Now we're heading towards, towards Talladega, Dover next weekend. I mean, do you think it's going to take a little bit of time for Chase to find his form, or is he going to be back in the winner's circle before we know it? Yeah, I mean, I think maybe at some of the more technical tracks, yes, but honestly, there's really not a whole lot of technical tracks coming up over the next couple of weeks, so that definitely helps him. I think the most technical track really on the first half of the schedule is probably Martinsville or maybe North Wilkesboro. Um, mm. So Martinsville is out of the way. That's probably the most demanding one. Obviously, it's his left leg, so it's it's the breaking leg. I mean, Talladega is going to be wide open. The only time he's ever going to be on the break is essentially getting onto pit road or, or checking up for a crash or um, some sort of, you know, slowdown in front of him. Um, then you look at Dover. I mean, that place, it's not wide open, but you're, it, you're really just, it's more throttle control than anything else. You're really not working the brake too much. And then, um, same as Kansas, you're just, you're just really working the throttle. So I think the next few weeks are favorable for him. Um, I think that will allow him to kind of rehab the leg outside of the car and get that built up a little bit more. So that when, when we go to a technical track, like a North Wilkesboro, that's going to be a hard race. I mean, it's the all-star race, but I mean, I saw Drew Herring. He's a spotter for Martin Truex Jr. Um, he's been testing there a little bit, and he posted on Twitter yesterday after testing, like, man, these cars, they are a handful here. I mean, the tires are all worn out. I mean, not going to be easy. I mean, um, they can't go wide open and you know later in a run. So a place like that, Chase Elliott is going to have his work cut out for him. But um, then after, you know, well, Darlington, Darlington, maybe a little bit too, that's before North Wilkesboro, but then, you know, Charlotte, the 600. So I think overall, it's a pretty favorable stretch of tracks for him to be able to just rehab that leg naturally. Now it's going to take a really long time to get all that muscle mass built back up, but he could at least get into a position where it's maybe not as, um, I guess his leg isn't getting as drained as much, if you will, or, or as tired as easily. Um, you know, when he was running at Martinsville, he said he, he really wasn't the leg that was preventing him from doing anything, it, you know, throughout most of the race. He, he literally said, we sucked, we, we, you know, we sucked for the first 350 laps, and then they found something the last, you know, 50, 75 laps, and they made their way from, I think, 22nd to 10th. So um, it was a timely, a timely good run for them. 
I, I think I don't know what they found. I don't know if they just pumped up the air pressures or loosened them up or, or what exactly they did. But he was like a 20, 25th place car for most of the day. Um, but just found something there at the end and was able to get a top 10 finish. So it was definitely not the best car, but um, he made it work. And then, you know, we've seen him win at Martinsville for sure. But we've also seen him win at Talladega. And, and most recently, I believe, just the, the fall race at Talladega last, last yeah. fall. So, um I don't think it's going to be that long until we see Chase Elliott get to victory lane. I don't know if it's going to be this weekend, but um, just this next stretch of tracks bodes well for him. I mean, he won at Dover last year, too. He won at Kansas. I don't remember if it was a spring race or the fall race, but he won at Kansas last year. So, um, yeah, good stretch for him. Uh, I think that when it's all said and done, probably by with, within the next six to eight races, I think we see him in victory lane. He's too talented, and I think those 100 cars are way too fast for him uh, to not go out and, and win a race here sooner rather than later. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the number nine team has certainly showcased that speed, even when he was out, because they were pretty good at Richmond. And Josh Berry did a pretty good job with that team uh, during Chase's absence. And also, too, you know, Jordan Taylor looked really good at Coda until he got taken out in the in a pinball-like situation in that final restart. So the teams have been good. And once Chase gets that, uh, the physicality, you know, strengthened up even more. So I think they'll be just as good as they were last year, maybe even a little bit better, just because I feel like Hendrick as a team, an organization has improved by leaps and bounds, which is crazy to think because they're always a top team, but they just seem a little bit more solid than last year. Um, you, you mentioned about the 600, which actually I'm kind of curious to see how he'll handle the longest race of the season. But by then, you know, we'll see him probably be physically better. And I'm sure they're going to do everything they can to get a stamina built up for that long, long race. Although the 600 hasn't been kind to Chase in recent years. So uh, he's hoping to hope to break that streak, if you will, of, of bad finishes for that number nine team. Now we got to talk about a flip side situation with, of course, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. He is coming off some pretty good finishes, I would say, this month. You know, he mentioned that his goal is to, you know, be better than midfield this year. You know, don't take too many losses on points. Well, they've been climbing up the point standings rankings after a little bit of a slump after Daytona. But unfortunately, this for this week for them, RFK Racing swapped their number 17 pit crew with the number 47 pit crew. So now Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is getting the RFK number 17 pit crew, except for the feeler, while uh, Chris Buescher is going to have that number 47 pit crew. That's an, a pretty good job all season long. So Nathan, I, I hate to ask such a pointed question, but did Ricky Stenhouse Jr. get the raw end of the deal in this situation? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, he's a guy that, that that's come out and won the Daytona 500 this year and is essentially in the playoffs and has run so well. I mean, um, I know that they have some sort of relationship, which in a sense is kind of wonky because they're different manufacturers. Um, but like with the whole Chris Buescher thing, like they kind of got um, kind of got like loaned out to, to J, JTG for for was that a year or two years or however long that was. Um, so they have a really good relationship together, obviously. Again, yeah, I mean, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., there, there's no sugarcoating, and he's definitely on the short end of the stick. Um, but, you know, you never know. Sometimes it, it's just with who you have inside the, the shop and, and maybe whoever this new pit crew is, they can just come right in and, um, 
you know, be just as strong. So we'll have to monitor the performance over the next few weeks, monitor it, see how they do on pit road. But um, definitely, it, it sucks for Ricky. I mean, you, you never want to break up something that's working. You never want to break up a Daytona 500 winning team like that. But um, at this point, they, they have no other option but to, to look forward and, and, and try to forget about it and, um, and and just try to make it work. Yeah, that's it's a tough deal. Like you mentioned, it's not just any pit crew. It's the it's the pit crew that won this year's Daytona 500. And when you put it like that, Nathan, I for sports fans who are just getting into stock car racing, it would be kind of like the Florida Marlins well before your time. But in 1997, now the Miami Marlins, but back to the Florida Marlins, they won the 1997 World Series. Well, what happened in 1998? They went elsewhere. So, I mean, the team name existed, but those players went to a different team. Um, and, of, co- of course, Florida, their team was not that good after that season ended. So, um, yeah, you just never like to see those kinds of things. But, of course, that's just the nature of the sport. There's, it's very business-oriented. And, you know, if RFK Racing feels that the number 17 team needed its eight players with, you know, one of their marquee teams, they're going to bring them back. You know, you mentioned that neat situation with Chris Buescher being on loan with JTG, I think from like 2017 to about 2018, 2019. Um, and then it was understood that, you know, he would come back to the mothership team and lo and behold, he did. So it's interesting. And uh, I know Ricky wasn't too thrilled about what happened, but like you said, we'll watch and see how that team performs um, in these next several weeks with that new pit crew. Um, with our RFK's team now being with the 47 team. Well, I think it's almost time for some winning time talk here on TPF Live. Unfortunately, we're not, not going to talk about Archipix because uh, not, I don't know. If you want to hear that again, there's a certain show for that. Um, I'm kidding. Casey Campbell is Mr. Arca, so we'll let him digress about that. Um, but Xfinity, of course, super awesome, fun race. Um, and then to, on Sunday, we've got the cup race, the Geico 500. So Nathan, I know you are super thrilled to talk about Xfinity and then of course the cup race. So why don't you lead us listeners who are going to hear your predictions about who you think is going to be good this weekend? Well, for the Xfinity race, I mean, I'm going to go and stick with, um, the hot hand on these super speedways and it's going to be Austin Hill. Um, I don't know why he's so good at them, and I don't think he necessarily knows why he's so good at them either because I interviewed him last year at Watkins Glen, and I asked him, like, why are you so good at super speedways? And he honestly wasn't so sure either because he doesn't didn't necessarily love them, but I had to start um, embracing them. I mean, the Chevys have been fast um, at, at super speedways overall in the Xfinity Series. So I'll say Austin Hill. I, mean, I definitely don't want to... Um, you know, overlook somebody like Parker Kligerman, who had a chance at Atlanta, it was. Um, he's a good super speedway racer. I know he had a tire go down to practice on Friday, so I'm sure he'll be starting from pretty deep. Or, excuse me, in qualifying, so I, I'm sure he'll be starting pretty deep. But if he can get up front, he definitely has a, has a really good chance. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll go with Austin Hill as, as my actual race pick in the cup race. I mean, I feel like I say this every week, but this field is wide open. But um, I'm going to go Ryan Blaney. I mean, it's been a really long time since he's won. I think Talladega might be his best place. He's won twice in the Cup Series. I think they're putting him on, like, the Walk of Fame this weekend as well. Um, it would be only fitting if, if Ryan Blaney ends this little um, win, winless drought or, or win, win drought. Yeah, winless drought. I don't know why I just... I doubted myself there. Uh, this okay. winless drought uh, and and go to victory land at Talladega. 
those are really excellent picks. And those are some super speedway masters who can get the job done this weekend. So I would say if I didn't want to be contrarian, that I would go with those picks as well, because Austin Till is probably the, 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 the first and foremost name that comes to mind as far as, as Xfinity Super Speedway racing is concerned. Uh, I'm not going to go with the easy pick on this. I'm going to think outside the box, and uh, this is going to probably surprise some people here. I uh, For the AG Pro 300 for the Xfinity race on Saturday, I want to go with Parker Retzloff and the number 31 Jordan Anderson racing team. I really like what this kid's been doing all season long. I know JAR is not exactly like the powerhouse team, but hey, 10 years ago, College Racing was like this well-known racing team from South, you know, North Carolina area. I think South Carolina roots. They were just trying to like get some respectability, top 15, top 10 finishes with Lake Cook. And then lo and behold, everything worked out and they became this powerhouse conglomerate team. Well, I really am sold on Parker Retzloff. I think he's really savvy. He's technical. He picks up real quickly. And, you know, with what he's doing with Jordan's team, I'm so impressed with his maturity behind the wheel. So, you know, Super Speedway Racing is a crapshoot. Why not go with a team that's so small but has a driver with a lot of heart and the determination? So I want to go with Parker for Saturday's race. As far as Sunday's race is concerned, I, I, again, I agree with Nathan on this. It's a crapshoot, wide open field, you know, saying this is not like making a prediction for next week's race at Dover, where you kind of go with the powerhouse team. Talladega is just like spin the wheel and you kind of hope you land on that little picky part of the wheel. If you don't, well, too bad. If you got chosen, well, you're probably going to win the race. Honestly, of the 38 that are entered for this weekend's race, I'm trying to think of someone in the varying steam here that may shock the field because Parker Redslop was my Xfinity pick. I, you know what? This guy had a really good run last weekend. And honestly, if it wasn't for a really bad time caution, he probably would have finished in the top six or top seven. I'm going to go with Todd Gilliland and the number 36 front row motorsports team entry. Todd's been so strong. He's been doing the best in a really weird situation. You know, earlier this year, it was announced that he wouldn't be with the front row motorsports team for like a, a quartet of races because Zane Smith is going to basically take over his ride in those races. But, you know, Todd's been handling this situation with so much class, so much poise, but he's also been very competitive. I mean, it's just been it. If NASCAR racing was, a, you know, measuring KPI metric, key performance indicators by performances, not results. Todd's one of the best drivers this season, honestly, in my opinion. So why not go with him? You know, it, it would just be it would be a really magical moment at Talladega to see a small team like front row with a good driver like Todd, who let's face it, you know, at some point, if Michael McDowell decides to cut back on his schedule or, you know, moves on to other things, I certainly hope front row motorsports keeps an eye on Todd and wants to grow and develop this kid further because he's a, he's a really handy race car driver. So I'm looking at Todd to get the job done on Sunday and, and Parker on, on Saturday afternoon. So I'm going small here, folks. We're, we're going to go for the underdogs as far as we're concerned for my weekend picks, but we'll see. What do you think of our picks for this weekend, folks? Do you think Nathan got it right? Did I get it right? Or do you have other picks in mind? Why don't you let us know by tweeting to us at, at the podium finish 
or at Nathan at nsolly 2 or me at Rob T. Onksen. You know where to find us, folks, because we're around. We'll, we'll tweet to you. Um, and if you happen to make the race-winning picks for Sundays and Saturdays races, we'll send you a diecast card from spoilerdiecast.com. So just tweet to us, simple as that, and uh, make some winning picks, folks. I promise you we're not taking money from Clint Boyer's uh, funds because uh, it's not like he's running out of money anytime soon. Anyways, with that, why don't we get to the final segment of our show, or penultimate segment of the show, rather, with In the Hot Seat. And this is a bit of a co-op effort for this week's edition of In the Hot Seat, because for once, Nathan and I are sharing the TPF race car for this weekend. So I will at least, you know, let Nathan start things off and tell you folks about his interview with Brandon Jones. Yeah, so I spoke with uh, Brandon Jones back on April 1st. So that certainly no joke. Um, <laughs> uh, I cracked myself up. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I talked with Brandon Jones right before the, um, Xfinity race at Richmond. I mean, like, right before, like an hour before, um, hour before the race. Good to catch up with him. We just kind of talked about his switch over to Junior Motorsports, obviously. Um, made a big jump from Joe Gibbs Racing. I think he was over there for, like, five years, six years. So, um, made, made the jump over to Chevrolet and, and JRM in 2022, taking over the 9 machine after, uh, Noah Gragson moved up to Cup. Um, so yeah, I guess without further ado, we will go right into it, uh, in part one of today's hot seat, Brandon Jones coming up next. Um, you know, just to start, obviously, you know, change of scenery this year, uh, just what's that all been like, you know, transitioning over here to, to Jaren? I figured it would have been a little bit easier, honestly. Um, it's, it's, it's been great. I mean, it's been really fun. It's exactly what I wanted it to be is, is different. Um, everything about it is different. The team. The way that the organization operates, the, the way the cars drive, the way they feel, like everything about it is a complete yeah. reset. So that's really what I was looking for, man. I just wanted that complete reset um, and, and to kind of start fresh here, and, and that's exactly what's what's been going on, and I, I felt pretty good about it so far. What kind of led you wanting to, to make this change and come over here? Yeah, I mean, you know, I kind of felt like, I don't want to say I don't know where my place at Toyota was, but I knew that there was people in line before me at Toyota to maybe get to the next spot. Um, which is the Cup Series, and I feel like the opportunity here at Chevrolet was very, very large, very broad. Um, there's obviously just way more Chevrolets out there in, in the field, so um, that's kind of what I was thinking anyways, you know, and then to, to come over here with Dale to try to get um, some, some advice from Dale, some knowledge from him, and as much as he's been around the sport, I just thought all of that stuff was going to lead to some success here. And this deal, I think, got announced in September, so you really had the, the whole offseason to, to focus on over here. So just what was that like? Kind of what was the focus of the offseason in terms of what you wanted to do to, to just get ready to go in Daytona? Yeah, it was, uh, it was good. A lot of prep work went into it, and kind of once I figured out that I was going to come here, it was all about, for me, trying to transfer notes and doing different yeah. things to try to make this process go by as fast and as easy as possible. You know, I didn't really know quite what to expect. I've been at the same place now for four or five years at JGR, so I was comfortable there. I had all my stuff in order, and I was trying to figure out, okay, trying to, you know, get all the things that you'd worked for five years on to, to now just start here with all that knowledge. And so um, it's tough because there are differences in the cars, and there are some things that 
you just can't do that they had going on over there, but they also had new stuff and new things here that had been helping out too. So for me, that's what those couple of months were, is just trying to make sure I had enough prep work and stuff to, to transfer and bring over here. What are some of those differences? Obviously, you know, the Chevy resources are different than, you know, the Toyota resources versus, you know, like, let's say Ford. So what, what are some of the differences that you really had to, had to deal with with the Gossip? Yeah, I mean, for the manufacturer side of it, uh, the simulation is a little bit different. The amount of time that you get is a little bit different. Um, the Josh Wise program is incredible. Uh, I give a lot of credit to Josh and Scott Speed and those guys. I mean, that's something that no other manufacturer has is, is that resource there to kind of lean on. And so they've helped, I think, probably all of our cars out a bunch. We're all part of that program. And so it's good to have him kind of as a, as a resource there to lean on and talk to. Um, I mean, those are, those are the really big ones. I went from outsourcing all of this stuff to now it's all in-house. And now um, I, I feel like I'm, I'm much on a tighter schedule. Um, every single day of the week, I've got places to be and activities to be doing. And so it keeps you, keeps you busy. That's a good thing, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's... One thing, as a driver, you don't know quite sometimes what to be doing, you know. I mean, people say study races and do different things, but you can only do so much of that, you know. So they keep you doing quite a bit different stuff, and some of it's not even racing related, you know. Some of it's just team-building exercises or certain things like that. I mean, so they, they've thought about a lot of things over there that have really helped. And to have, you know, Dale have faith in you and the entire Inner Heart family, what does that mean to you? Oh, man, I mean, I, I, I know Dale's watching you know he's watching everyone out there very closely definitely watches his cars close but he's also doing doing that for other guys and i think that once we made this transition i talked to dale for a long time and you know there's a lot of trust there a lot of belief in what i'm capable of doing inside the car which is a great confidence booster you know i came into this with a lot of confidence and that right there just even helped out a bunch you know so um, he's already helped me a, a, a ton at some of these other tracks just on how to juggle when to be aggressive when not to be aggressive and how to race guys in certain ways. I mean, he's, he's got a lot of knowledge in that area. And all four of you at, at JRM, all in different points of your careers, all have different journeys. So just what's that been like to kind of pick, you know, those other guys' brains and, and learn from them over these last few months? They've actually made my transition pretty easy on me. I mean, Justin and Josh, um, very seasoned. Sam, too, he's just still young, you know. I mean, he hasn't done much Xfinity racing, but he's done a lot of just broad general racing in, in his career so far. Um, I've known Justin my entire time I've been in the Xfinity Series, so I lean on him probably the most. Just I've got a little comfort with him um, in, that, in that sense, and he gives a lot of good information. But Josh is the same way. I mean, grew up late model racing, so especially when you come to a racetrack like Richmond, he's got a lot of good stuff to offer. There's a lot of things that he's learned late model racing, actually, that, that applies to, to Xfinity racing at this track. So they've, they've all got something to offer that's all a little bit different. So. I almost take a little bit of each one of them and, and then I try to analyze it and then put it into my own terms and, and how I can make it work. And six races in, I know the results maybe haven't been what you wanted, but kind of how would you evaluate you know, everything so far and where you guys are at? I, I've been so happy with our speed. I mean, that's the main thing that I've been impressed with is just how fast we are at these cars. Um, they handle phenomenal. I think they actually handle a little bit better than what I was coming from, um, which is, you know, still a really good race car over there, obviously. So it's it's nice to see that we're just a little bit better here. But you mentioned it, it's just results, you know. It, we've been in a bad place at a bad time. We've had crazy mechanical issues happen, and then I've put ourselves in a bad spot once or twice, you know. So it's like, gosh, I mean, I don't think we, we do anything differently. Um, but at the end of the day, we just got to try to execute at a top 10 level at 100%, you know, like I don't think it, we need to go out here and try any harder or try any less. And there's been times that, you know, you want to just finish these races and, and try to get finishes. But I think when you try to do that, you put yourself in bad situations, you know, just being a little conservative at times. So just do what you, you know you had to do best, go race. And I think the, this, this stuff will take care of itself early. And what, and what do you feel like you need to do to find that consistency and, and just piece together a full race? 
it's it's tough because you're we're such kind of in a hole to get going here. So days like today when it rains out, it's not as bad, but it has been right. Like you end up starting in the rear and you don't get a good pit selection. So it just kind of it keeps compounding. So what you really need is almost a run like we had at Coda. Like it wasn't perfect, but we still almost get a top ten. We were right there at eleventh. I think my best finish was seventeenth prior to that. So I mean those little things like that are, are wins right now. Uh, you got to think kind of at a small level right now. Like you you, you almost go out there and you point, points race, you get stage points, you try to get the top 10 out of it, and kind of where we're at points, I think that's where it, that we're going to build that back up and, and build some momentum back. And the weather was good last week, right? Like, I know the yeah. weather has not been kind, so I'm sure that's going to factor in. For sure. I mean, yeah, like, it, that, that doesn't help at yeah. all. Like, when you're not qualifying or you're not practicing, like, I need laps in these cars to, to continue to, to develop and get a little bit better and, and continue to speed that process up with that transition from uh, the JGR cars to these. I mean, it's just... That's that's what we're missing right now. It's just trying to get on the racetrack. Now, coming to JRM, you know, you're put with Jason Burnett. Just what's that been like working with him so far? Yeah, you know, I think probably both of us have enjoyed it at times, and then other times too. I mean, Jason was with with Justin for seven years, right? Like, so that's that's really hard. I feel like for a crew chief to have learned so much about another driver, personal level and a, and a competitive level about what he wants and what he needs. Now he's got to completely rewrite his whole storybook and his whole uh, notebook of things that uh, that now I need, right? Like, and so um, we ha- I don't want to say we're battling that, but it's, it's just one of those things that I think both of us have enough experience to bridge that gap. But we knew it was going to take us about five or six races to kind of figure that out as well. So I didn't I didn't quite expect to come in here and just jump to the moon and, and be, you know, the, the number one guy right off the bat just because it's all brand new to all of us. It's not just me. So um, once once we get rolling, I think you'll really notice the difference in the, in the tables of turn. What's that process been like of building that relationship? Spending time together, you know, I mean, that's the big thing. Um, what's, what's pretty cool about the both of us is his son races out at Millbridge in North Carolina, the little dirt, dirt track that all of us hear so much about, and then I go out there every once in a while and do it. So we're, we're together Wednesdays racing with his kid and me are out there and, um, at the shop talking together a lot. We come to the racetrack where we're together. So it's, it's just about talking a bunch, talking through things. Um, you have to have uncomfortable conversations at times, and it, they're just honest conversations, um, you know, about, hey, this is what I need, this is what I need you doing differently, and sometimes those are tough to speak up and say, but at the end of the day, no one takes them personally. I think they're all just in the right direction to get better. And why do you think that, you know, this deal at JRM will be successful for you? Uh, I mean, I think this culture over here uh, really fits fits us, fits me, fits who Menards is. Uh, you know, they're, they're a very family-based organization. It feels like a super, super good late ball team is a great way to put it, right? Like it almost feels like a short track organization sort of, um, but which is super fun, man. I mean, they're racers is what I'm getting at. Like they all want to do really well. You can tell the guys at the shop are so pumped up when you get finishes and they're, they're really trying hard to, to get those. So all of that, man, kind of has got me fired up about being, being good over here. And then what's your short-term goal to kind of get back in the playoff picture and then also, you know, the, the bigger picture throughout the rest of the season? Kind of short term, it's not going to be about going out here and trying to set the world on fire and win a lot of races. It's more about trying to point your way in at this point. Um, we're, we're so far back in the points that I think if you took a bunch of stage points and got a top 10 at the end of the day, you're going to work your way up the, the points ladder. It's just, it's probably going to happen, you know. So it's almost like short term we need that to get the momentum back, to turn it around, and then we can start again tacking for those wins and going for that kind of stuff. And that was Brendan Jones for the first half of the In the Hot Seat segment that we love to do. So great job on that, Nathan. And as a matter of fact, I think you were a little bit of good luck for uh, Brendan because right after Richmond, he got his first top 10 finish in the form of a top five at Martinsville. So he's jumped up from as low as 19 points to 13. 
heading into Talladega. So maybe, you know, Jason Burdett and the number nine team have found a little something that makes Brendan Jones's efforts a little bit better, maybe a little bit more winning for 2023. Now on the other half of in the hot seat for this weekend, we're staying in the Xfinity series, but we're talking about a team whose stock is literally on the rise. I'm of course talking about Alpha Prime Racing, an effort or venture that's led by Cesar Vaccarella and of course, Tommy Joe Martins. Now, this team has expanded to three cars for this year. And one of those drivers is of course, Ryan Ellis in the number 43 ride. Now, as of this moment, Ryan is not racing the full season, but he's in a lot of races this year, at least 24 races. Um, but I got a chance to talk to Ryan earlier this week because you know he has a great sponsor for this weekend in the form of Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers restaurant, Chevrolet Camaro. And if you want to talk with me and get my attention, Chicken Fingers is a great, great way to start things up. But also, too, you know, Ryan's career has been such an interesting one to watch just because he's got a background in sports car racing, but he's been trying to do everything possible to not just keep his name relevant and frequently mentioned, but he's also trying to do the right things to be in the right opportunities. And it seems like this, the last couple of years, he's finally found his home with Alpha Prime Racing. And they're starting to find their speed and starting to find their, their consistency. And they just need a, need a little bit of good luck, if you will. So um, it's a bit of a long interview with Ryan, but it's a fun one, of course. So with that, Let's get to the second half of In the Hot Seat for this week with Ryan Ellis. We're welcoming back a guest we haven't seen in the last seven years. I would say that's negligence on my part and not on this gentleman's part. As this week, of course, we've got Ryan Ellis who's joining us, and he is the driver of the number 43 Alpha Prime Racing Entry. But this week, it's probably one of my favorite sponsors ever because it's the number 43 Raising Cane's Chicken Tenders Chevrolet Camaro that will be piloted by, of course, Ryan at Talladega Super Speedway. So it doesn't get better than chicken tenders at Talladega. So Ryan, my friend, welcome back. It's been a long time. How are you doing today? Not too bad. You did a good job. You knocked it out two takes in a row because I had to mess up the first take. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm really excited. You know, we got, like you said, a really cool sponsor in Raising Cane's in this week. So um, really excited. I, I don't know if to say Raising Cane's chicken fingers every single time. I haven't gotten the full PR list. So I just opened up this box of swag you see behind me and I'm just trying to play the part now. Well, you don't have to play the part because if you've eaten their chicken tenders even just once, whether it's the box combo or the Caniac combo, I'm telling you, you're going to be an addict for life and you yes. might even join the Caniac uh, club as well. So get used to it, my friend. Oh, absolutely. I actually ate Sweet Raising Canes after Vegas, after that race. That was the picture and like the tweet that we posted with my whole team there. And uh, before Circuit of the Americas race, probably not like the best pre-race meal to eat, but it was it was awesome. <laughs> I'm sure I should probably go with something a little bit lighter in the stomach, but I ate a full, I think it was the Kenya combo, um, just like sitting in the parking lot at Coda before the race. So I'm, I've done it twice this year. It's worked out. There you go. That's why you were in a hurry when we saw each other on the grid at Coda. You're like, I don't need to talk to Rob. I got to get my Kenya combo. No, I'm kidding. I think I was probably just lost like always. I was probably just not sure where to go. It's all right, my friend. I'm just, I'm teasing you, but uh, you're not lost this year because I'll tell you what, this season you're racing, of course, under the Alpha Prime Racing banner once again, but this time you are going to be in quite a few starts, which we'll talk about in a bit. But of course, let's talk about the season first of all. 
I mean, obviously there's been some peaks and valleys as always with that comes in motorsports, but uh, how encouraged are you about the number 43 teams performances thus far uh, in the NASCAR Xfinity series season? Um, like very, very excited. It's, it's funny because on paper, we're not having like as good of a season as we did last year, but when you really like sit down and take a look at how competitive this series is this year, it's, I know people say it every year, but it's, it's so true that, um, it's the most competitive year I've ever seen. Like we're not really racing anybody different than we were last year. There's just more of them. Uh, there's more really competitive cars, more really good cup affiliated teams. So, um, I think we're doing a great job. I really like having a home as stupid as that sounds. Like I walk in and I, that's my team. Those are my guys. And uh, we've got each other's back. I've never had that. Not saying I've never had like friends on teams or anything like that, but it's always been, Oh, Ryan's our driver this week. You walk in with your helmet bag, your suit and your, you know, your stuff. So it's, you always kind of feel like an imposter or just like a, a guest, but now it's, it's so cool to just like go in there and feel like part of the team. I'd say you have been part of the team and, uh, just like anyone else, whether you're a regular person like me or an actor in Hollywood or a race car driver like yourself, just to know you have a consistent regular home to go to, um, that le that lessens the stress load, I would say. Yeah, like I don't have to worry about like my belt spinning, stupid stuff like that. Like <laughs> where I used to go to the shop and it was, okay, I'm using Stefan Parsons seat or Matt Mills seat. Like I have my own seats this year, which is also a different thing. and um, I just have an interior guy that works on my stuff and my crew chief knows how I like my race cars. So it's just been very different, but all in a good way. And like, I'm not full time right now. I'm, we're still, I mentioned to you earlier, we had like a four and a half hour long team meeting um, longer than Tommy Joe and them probably want to admit, but it's like, I want to be full time. I want to make sure there's still an opportunity to be full time in the 43 car. And the idea of anybody else driving it right now is like, it's like somebody dating your girlfriend. Like I, that's the last thing in the world I want to, I want to think about. Yeah. I don't think that would not be a very safe situation. Um, yeah. You want to be there the whole way through. So I would say you're doing everything you can to make sure you're holding your end of the bargain, which I'm certain that APR is noticing as well. And one thing I can say that they've noticed, of course, is that you have fought tenaciously throughout your career. I mean, you came back into NASCAR after kind of doing some of the, you know, the grassroots stuff early on in your life. 2014, you come back and it's pretty much been a journey of just doing the right things, keeping your name relevant. I mean, it's been challenging, but how have you kept encouraged about finding the right seat and opportunities to be in NASCAR? Yeah, it's, um, I mean, once again, peaks and valleys. Uh, it's been a lot of, a lot of work and I, you know, you never really get like good surprises, I'd say, with this kind of stuff. Like it's always you have a sponsor that signs and they might not um, come through or they might fall through after just before, right after the contract and um, the, the money side of it. You know, the timing might come back with the whole um, having a baby thing and making sure I'm trying to be a good dad and responsible. It's been a, it's been a lot to take on, but I think that's also like my biggest motivating factor. So just been working and I think I've really just come to the understanding now of being just an old man. And I'm like, I want to have the most sustainable job in the world and control my own fate. And the way you control your own fate in this world of, of motorsports today is sponsorship. I want to make sure I have the money um, to be able to do this full time or as close to full time as possible. That way I don't feel like I'm just aimlessly chasing a goal while burning my daughter's, you know, like future financial situation down the process. 
You know, you mentioned a really good point. And by the way, being a dad, that's an awesome, awesome accomplishment in itself. It so is, yeah. yeah, congrats, man. That's how long it's been because I last we talked, we were just a bunch of bachelors and here you are, you're <laughs> like, true. I'm a dad. So congrats, man. That's awesome. Oh, thank you. Um, you know, let's talk about that because that actually leads to one of my questions I had planned to ask you. I mean, 2014, you're a young guy. You're still are young. I mean, you're no, not I'm looking not at 40. Anymore. No, no, I'm old. No? Okay. Well, you're not looking at 40 yet. So you have a not long yet. ways to go. Not yet. I am. Um, but let's talk about this because you just got me thinking, you know, the journey of NASCAR or anything that you put your heart and soul into, it's not as easy as people think it is. Yeah. But what advice would you give your younger self about those peaks and valleys you've been through and everything you would experience off the track and at the racetrack? Ooh, I'd have two different forms of advice and it would depend on what day it was of, of racing. Um, <laughs> first piece of advice would probably be like, don't do it. Just <laughs> stay in college, um, make a sustainable life. No, it's, um, I think just, I've always been of the belief and I've, so many people I've been surrounded by have always believed that, you know, nearly everything happens for a reason, you know, like there's a reason for your journey in life. And um, I've been put in a lot of weird spots in the sense of like, you know, certain jobs and the timing of things and sponsors that have fallen through and just believing in the fact that no matter where you're at in life, even when you feel like the furthest from where you want to be in life, you might be closer than you ever thought. Um, Because I've had some jobs that have taught me a lot of very important things for where I'm at right now, um, like in processes and in work ethic and to, to just teach me how to do all everything I'm doing right now and put me in the position I'm in right now. So while I took four years off of racing, really like closer to six or seven, because I only ran a couple races a year, it's, it put me in a spot right now where I'm like going to break down crying if I'm not full-time or I'm going to break down crying if I am full-time, you know? So it's like, I, I'm closer than I've ever been to where I want to be. And it's a journey that if I had to like, write it down would not make any sense to me that sounds like humanity in a way so that i think you have figured out what it means to as you jokingly call yourself the old man you have figured out what life is to be as an old man but it's good because sometimes sometimes people don't figure that out till it's too late so Mm -hmm. good for you to kind of appreciate the fact that it's not just about the destination it's about the journey yeah and Man, I hope we win a race at some point in our lives. Like, but that I know it'll make that a heck of a lot sweeter than if I just, you know, had everything given to me or um, was in the top ride every single week. Like, I don't feel like I take anything for granted, even though, you know, when you take a week or two off, you definitely, it doesn't, it makes you realize that you took it for granted, whether you realize it or not. Well, that's why you have fought tenaciously. You have never given up even when the odds seem so against you. That's why you're still here. You're with APR and the, the the journey is just so, it's so exciting for you because I feel like you have the most input you've probably ever had to be where you could be today, tomorrow, 2024, who knows? And that's what makes it you a very likable, very exciting driver to cover Thank in you. NASCAR. So I'm sure that this is just the beginning for you, my friend. And um Let's and talk I hope about so. I hope not at the same time. I'm so old. I feel like racing has made put 60 years on me. I'm like, I don't know how much time I got left at this point. I'm catching up to Tommy Joe and like the extra trips around the, the sun at this point, but how, how stressed out and how much work has gone into this stuff. 
Oh, I hear you. I mean, you know how long I've been working as a journalist, so not to bring it yes. about me, but I can relate completely to where you're at. Everybody so. in the industry can. I don't think people realize that whether they're, you know, a tire guy or a photographer, or whether it's a media member, like we're all on the same journey. You're all, we're working so hard. You, you, it's not nearly as glamorous as the Instagram posts we put out there. And, uh, but you know, there's probably in some, most cases, there's more bad days than good, but the good days make it hundred percent worth it. I will raise my glass of water on that because that's absolutely yeah, true. Oh man. <laughs> that's a podcast. That's a podcast on its own, which I don't want to make it about me. This is absolutely all about you. Um, so don't worry. Um, <laughs> but I'm really happy to see you still driving and still here when so many folks who have been in our shoes probably would be like, this is too tough. I'm going to tap out of this. And Smarter people, right? Yeah. <laughs> Some other people, um, not to dismiss them. I'm just saying it's, it's, a, it's a challenge for sure. But, um, you know, I would say both of us can relate to this question. Mm-hmm. We've both had our welcome to NASCAR moments that have kind of stood out to us. But what for you would be the welcome to NASCAR moment that made you feel like, hey, I'm accepted by my peers in the garage area. And no, this is still cool. not happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, I'd say not not like in a joking way. Like I, I never truly, just because there's tears. Like you know, we always talk about the other side of the garage, where like you know, you like you see a big name driver, whether it's an Xfinity or Cup, and you're like at Martinsville, for example. I drove, you know, we drive ourselves there. I know some teams fly. It's silly. We're only two hours away, but like walking with my backpack on, my big duffel bag of suit and shoes and everything and i got my two helmet bags i'm like walking by and trying to get out of the way of like all the people looking for you know autographs for the guys that like are driving for junior sports or gibbs and you're like you never truly feel like them which i don't mind one way or another but my welcome to nascar in like a cool way moment i guess would be literally as stupid as it sounds like just peeing next to jeff gordon at phoenix in my cup debut i was like that's jeff gordon i get to race against him this week i'm like that's pretty freaking cool that's my hero um so yeah it, it's other than that like i tried to get out of i think it was his way 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 my my hero in uh in my cup debut i'm going to freak out like little version you know younger version of ryan is gonna hate me forever so it's uh i, I think i drove into the fence and the back straightaway to phoenix just trying to get out of his way Oh man, that's just, you should blame Jeff for that one. I'm just going to say he got you uh, arrow loose or something. No, no, nope, nope. I just drove in there. I'm like, please do not get, you know, mauled by the fans leaving the track for wrecking Jeff in his like second or third to last race. Oh man. Well, I can't, I can't fault you for that because uh, as a journalist, I have made some goofy moments myself with Jeff when I first met him, but uh, I'm glad to say that that dynamic has changed for the better. So I'm hopeful that you've had a chance to at least get to chat with him or get to know him even more. Ironically, I got a text today that our Darlington throwback from, I think it was the first or second second race last year, um, I dropped off my suit and helmet because it was a Gordon throwback at Hendrick Motorsports, which first off, <laughs> still that welcome NASCAR moment. Still cool just to be able to like drive up to that building and then just walk in. I think their entire team was scared and they saw me walking in with a helmet bag and a suit bag. They're like, oh, we all quit on the spot. Uh, but I got to drop all my stuff off there to get signed by Jeff and is getting an autograph from Jeff. Oh man, that's awesome. And I see that just goes to show folks that no matter what 
position you're in, whether you're, you're Ryan Ellis, professional race car driver, you're me before I became a journalist. I mean, we all have a certain person that we look up to um, in our in our discipline, in our industry. So that is just so cool. And um, I know you can't see it because I'm in a virtual background, but in my office here in Texas, I have a picture of me and Jeff um, after my first interview with him that I, I'm proud to have. And I'm going to add another one. Um, from a project I did with Jeff a couple of weeks ago at Coda, the same race weekend that we ran into each other. So um, it's so cool. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm certain you're going to have your time to have that moment with a fan too. And I love that throwback, by the way, that was just, that was just absolutely uh, without provocation, truly badass to see. <laughs> yeah. I think we're going to, we're going to have a cool one this year. Not probably not quite on that level just because, I don't know. Maybe we'll be on that level. It's hard to, hard to say. I'm actually working on that getting crew shirts ready earlier today. Well, I can't, like can't leak you, it yet. Yeah, I was gonna say I like that you led us to a little. Can't tell you, but I'm gonna tease it kind of way. So yes, keep exactly. Us, keep us posted because I know my our, our fans at TPF Nation are gonna be like, "What's he talking about?" And they're gonna probably be like, "Rob, better follow up." So you, yes, you better keep me absolutely. honest on this. Yeah, I definitely will. It's uh. I think we should probably be announcing it next week, really, now that I'm thinking about right. it, because Darlington's, what, two or three weeks out? I'm saying that, and I'm thinking out loud. I really don't know. Um, I think it's three weeks out because we ordered everything. I ordered my suit, and uh, we're behind. That's my fault. I just haven't haven't gotten caught up. But it's a keen parts, throwback, Corvetteparts.net. You know, they've been with me forever, and they go all out for those throwback races. So it's really cool to be part of those. Oh, for sure. I mean, they have done it all. I mean, when Matt was with the number 32 team, he had the Exide throwback. And then the crunch points. one. Oh, crunch one. That was amazing. Yeah. I love that one. And then so. they, with Jeffrey at Go Fast or Go Green, whatever it was at the time, they did the uh, Dale Senior throwback um, to the Wrangler car, I believe, with the yeah. Otter Pops on, I think. And that was still like one of my favorites, too. Oh, yeah. I remember that. That was, I think, the same season that you, you raced in the Cup Series with Jeff. So yeah, it all comes true. together. Uh, you have a better memory than I do. I it all blends together for me. You know, maybe I need to just be the PR person for every single drag race car driver, given my Android-like memory of things. Yes, it's pretty scary sometimes. Yeah, I don't have a memory, so you're good. There's a year I don't remember. I'm pretty sure that I I found out a year or two ago that there there's like actually almost I don't know if it's six months or a year that I basically have no memory of anything that happened in that entire year. I think that was from a concussion. So. Oh man, that, that was an interesting little thing I found out. Ooh, wow! That tells you, folks at home, that, that racing is truly hey, a really cool. Yes. <laughs> Don't get your kids to be in football. I'm kidding. Exactly. Go 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 play chess or video games. It is safer. I racing, but we're not no, sponsored no. by I racing. I got I got the I got the rig right there, just out of camera view. I'm like, nope, nope. <laughs> Oh, right. stick with the Nintendo Switch and try to beat Mario. There you go. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> now let's go talk shop about you again before we get to all the fun questions. Of course, now you mentioned earlier you're still working on, you know, getting as many races as possible for this season. But I gotta ask, what tracks on the calendar so far have you circled and said, "Yep, this is gonna be my weekend to shine"? I mean, obviously every weekend you want to shine, but which ones are you saying to yourself, "Yeah"? I, I got no doubt about myself with this track. Honestly, I guess this, <clears throat> the one I have left is probably, I said that like, with a, like I have no hope in life. <laughs> like the one that I definitely have circled is Road America. Um, I just, I love road courses and I, I haven't really feel like I've had a chance 
to shine with Alpha Prime. Um, at a at a road course for Indianapolis, I hadn't been to, and like honestly, I just didn't really have a I didn't really connect with the track in the 15 minutes of practice that we got last year, and then we got um run over by Parker Kligerman after he lost his brakes last year. So didn't really get a fair shot there. Coda is a track that the big teams kind of run really good at. So Road America, we've always run good at. We've run I've had been a half lap away from top tens with BJ McLeod's cars and saw how good Balicki and Sage Karam did there last year. And was so jealous. Um, obviously, they're both phenomenal drivers, but I just wanted to be out there so bad. Um, Road America, I hope I get to run Walkins Glen. That's not on my schedule right now, but typically I'd say Talladega, which is what, in the four days, but I'm going in with a complete opposite mentality to Talladega and Daytona because I always go in, I'm like, we have a shot to win, guys. We we can do this, and then I get wrecked. So now I'm just going there and saying we're going to get wrecked and see what happens. And just say that it's going to be a terrible day. We're going to go out, run like crap, and get wrecked and see what happens and hope that it goes the opposite way. You're doing the George Costanza way of thinking. You're doing the opposite. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's kind of like a, a you know, magic eight ball. Will we get wrecked in stage one, stage two, on the way to the track? Like, it's you just don't know. Or it could be like Talladega Nights and, like, the whole field gets wiped out and you and another driver get up there. Yeah, run across the line. So who knows? With Anything is possible. In hand. Oh, yes. I like this. Yeah. Now I gotta talk about raising canes with you because not only is it one of my favorite, no, cross that. It is my favorite restaurant. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but also too, I mean, that's a heck of a pain scheme that you're gonna be driving this weekend. So I mean, I know we talked about it in the very beginning of this interview, but how thrilled are you to drive this particular sponsor's race car and being a dog lover like me, like how cool is it that you're going to be working with this this business that really loves your canines? Yeah, actually, like I got a card right here from them. I was just oh. like, thank uh-huh. you. Looking forward to hope you have a box combo on us. They sent us some uh, gift cards for a team to you know get a box combo on them, and um, it's really really exciting. I think for a lot of reasons. One, like I truly am a fan of Raising Canes. Like I don't try to be that driver that tweets at every single sponsor or every company and be like sponsor me sponsor me um i did with them and i was a fan of todd graves who's their ceo um i fought, i listened to the theo vaughn podcast and todd was on there and kind of gave the whole background and story of how raising Cames, you know came to fruition and how he's grown the brand and the vision he has for it and like what he values and it it just felt like something that was meant to be in nascar like it it was like a no-brainer like how is he not in the sport at this time? Like, I was like, I have no idea. It's a Southern based company. They're in Louisiana. I'm like, this needs to be in the sport. And I blew them up. I, I probably sent 40 or 60 emails. I feel like, and it, it might be less or more. I don't know. I was like, I'll eventually get to them. I, I know I will. I was like trying to get Todd Graves's like phone number. I was going to call him and be like, just to show, you know, how passionate you are and how much you believe in um, what the potential of the program could be. Um, so it's it's really cool from that standpoint. Secondarily, from a bias standpoint, it's it's so cool to see a company of that size believe in me. You know, people a common question we get is like, who sponsors you? And um, you want to be able to like, obviously, I love being part of like Heartbeat Hot Sauce, Cost Oil, and like Corvette Parts Center, like all those small companies that come on board because we have the ability to work with those companies. Richmore Florist is a small florist out of Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania. But 
while it's so cool to be associated with those two, you want to have the brand equity and legitimization of saying Raising Cane sponsors me for Loco, like these massive companies that people just know off the top of their head. So I think it helps us kind of show that we can work with companies of different, you know, sizes and industries. Um, and that hopefully will help us sell going forward as well. So that was a long answer. It wasn't nearly as sexy of an answer, but it's a, more of the businessy answer. No, I love it's a raw but genuine answer. And uh, that, that's one thing I've always wondered about with race car drivers is their authenticity and connection with that sponsor. Because, you know, being a fan growing up, I'm sure you've watched a lot of the drivers say, well, thanks to so-and-so oils and uh, uh, Goodwrench and Goodyear. And you're just like, great, but do you really feel some kind of affinity towards them? And you yeah. actually can say, I do. Yep. My last oil change was at Costa Oil. I literally have a Sean water I've been drinking right here. I got a four loco that's for show back there, but I have a bunch in the fridge right now. I got, I mean, I, there's not a Canes within a long, long ways of me, but I wish there was. And I, I told Tom Keane from Corvette Parts that I'm like, my goal is to make enough money at the end of this year to buy a, a used old Corvette that I can like at least finally be a customer of theirs so I can say, you know, get your Corvette parts at corvetteparts.net without like just saying it. I want to be able to like say, I do too. And like truly mean it. Well, I'm sure you will. And uh, if you get that Corvette, I'm kind of curious which year you'll get just because. Whatever uh, I can afford. <laughs> say if you get to Wayne Carini uh, territory, you, you might just get more exposure on his show on Motor Trend uh, Network. That would be, yeah, that's a good point. I just, I like being authentic. It's hard for me. That's why I hate saying like, oh, you know, the CorvetteParts.net Chevy was really good this week. I'd rather be like, you know, we have a bad day. And you're like, oh, I can't wait to have a four loco or something like that. Like just like something stupid and organic because that's what people like. I think people connect with that and they know when you're just saying something just to say something. Exactly. And uh, I, I think that's what makes NASCAR such a unique sport is that you get those raw emotions. Why do you think? Uh, you know, you've seen this as a PR person, like, why is, are we one of the few sports where the journalists can go out of the media center and, well, I'll say this, it's kind of facetiously, but kind of maybe factually, that we kind of bug you guys immediately after you guys kind of come out of the race car, so you get yeah, that I like raw emotion. I, I always leave the care, I said, that makes it sound like a crash or a week. <laughs> when I leave the care center after an incident, I'm like, please at least have a media member here, and then you walk out and you're like, nope, all right, well, guess I'm just going to drive home now. Like, I like, I love the media access. Like, um, the whole thing with Joe Graff happened last week. I'm like, I hope somebody's here. I just want to get some kind of attention or something going on here. Because normally we don't have that. Well, I think we need to make sure that you do, regardless of how your race goes. But obviously not because of the IFC. But we want you to be there on pit road near whatever assigned pit stall that NASCAR media tells us. And you're right there in the top 15, top 10. That's I the like deal that. I'll say. Yeah, maybe not this weekend because we're going to crash, but, you know, maybe it's over. <laughs> don't, wreck, don't wreck Raising Kings 3. You can't do that. I've never tried this, so i got to commit to the bit at this point, right? Oh, goodness. Well, we're going to definitely, we have to follow up and see how this story goes. because This is going to, if this opposite works, I'm telling you, the, the listeners at home are going to tell me the negative things towards well, me. I'm now. only going to do I'll, plate races, man. I can't do it at Dover because that, that hurts too much there. That's That track mm. is not fun to crash at. No, I was going to say the monster mile, you may want to be a little bit more like, please don't. Oh, God, me. yeah. I'll beg mercy of that thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll do some talking to Miles before you get there because uh, I'll have yes. a team out there as well. So yeah, I'll, he's, I'll, he's I'll, usually I'll... taking care of me. We have had a good relationship. 
there you go uh, it's not complicated it's 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 a good yeah, okay. facebook official yeah we're good there you go home, home oh, race man. kind of home race <laughs> i was gonna say the other uh, network that i work with but uh we're, i won't be facetious i'm gonna be real with you uh although all pretty cool but we'll talk about that off off camera um now this is a question i never really ask a lot of nascar drivers because this is kind of a you know may seem obvious but hey for the fans who are new to nascar this is probably what they'll ask you you know compared to your everyday drive how can you compare like the experience of driving your chevrolet camaro fielded by alpha prime yeah. at a place like talladega or dover versus your your speedster that you drive on a highway or a roadway first off i now drive like an old man i used to say that and wasn't really necessarily true but now it is um like I've driven Stefan Parsons around that guy makes me so mad where he's like just yelling at me like just go just go I'm like no no you pay my ticket or you get in this seat and like I, they give me so much crap for driving like an old man but my wife gives me crap for all the tickets that are still my record so it's like uh. but um I guess the best way to explain it is it's kind of like when I always relate everything to hockey, I feel like. But when you go skating at like, uh, you know, in the winter, if there's like an outdoor rink or something that opens up near you, it's like comparing that to playing in the NHL. Like you're like, it's one of the things that we do, you know, like we go out and we drive in race cars, but it's not quite that, you know, it's it's a very immersive activity. Like Talladega, when you drive by yourself, don't get me wrong, it is so boring. It is so terribly boring. Like you're just barely awake, it feels like out there. But in the packets, it's a chess game where you're kind of like sitting in a sauna, but like on a treadmill going as fast as you can at the same time because you're mental, you know, you're mentally working so hard, you're physically exhausted at, at most of the races. Talladega, not so much, but um, it's still pretty freaking hot in the car. You know, it's really, really hot in those things. So you're you're worn out. I I wear this whoop bracelet and um i'd say i burn between anywhere between 1700 and 2700 calories in an xfinity race so like that's why i'm like after every race i go to a fast food place preferably raisin canes and just like whatever sugary drink i can get and just like just greasy food because it just it fills me up and it's kind of like a hangover after race so it's perfect oh my goodness i've never heard anyone describe racing in that manner but i kind of well except for the last one I kind of know what you're talking about with running on a treadmill, going as fast as you can, and it being so hot like a sauna, man. Like, but playing chess at the same time because it's the mental, it's the mental side that when you're physically worn out, you can't think or perform as well on the mental side. And when you're mentally worn out and you can't keep up, then you're obviously exerting more of the physical force. You have to like kind of be a good balance. You don't have to be in perfect shape. I actually think it it helps to have a little bit of meat on you because you have water retention. which is, you know, Tony Stewart, that guy never fell out of the seat, did he? Nope. But he, uh, no, he, he fought through everything, but you just have to be able to, I think, be mentally strong um, and physically at least have your core be relatively strong. Because if you can't handle heat, you're not going to be able to drive those things. They're miserable when they're in there. Yeah, I would imagine. This is not driving my 2022 Ford Explorer with the AC blasting in your face. This is no. anything but... Yes. Anybody that rides in the car with me gives me crap for how hot my cars are. Like I usually have it like 78, 80, somewhere in there. And I just, I'm like, that's comfortable for me. And everybody else is like sweating in the back seat. <laughs> but I've conditioned my body to just like that being normal. My teammates in, in Grand Am used to run with this windows down all year, heat crank. And I was like, I'm never getting to that point, but I'll 
I've like somehow conditioned my body to just be comfortable in heat. I like it. I'm miserable with cold, though, I'll tell you that. Oh, oh, that's funny you say that because like like me, you are a huge hockey like maniac. I mean, you play it, you love the NHL. So you hear that you don't like the cold is like I know, right? That's why I liked inline hockey a lot more than ice hockey, but I played both my entire life. Like, um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't like going to the rink and changing once I was out there. It was probably like, you know, when you're in those cool like locker rooms, I played an outdoor game in Charlotte this year. It's, um, that's different. I haven't played in three and a half months, man. It's been the longest I've never played in my life. You should play three or four days a week. You gotta get that drought fixed at some point. I mean, not, maybe not now, but, um, when hockey season, well, when it feels like hockey season in in, uh, in the Queen City, yes. you absolutely got to do it up. Yeah, I, I'm on three teams. I missed a game last night, missed two on Sunday, just not trying to get hurt. And I like tweaked my wrist two weeks before Daytona. And I was like, all right, that is a sign that I should not test it. It's an injury that just like doesn't allow me to play hockey. It's like the perfect, I can literally do everything. I just can't play hockey or like golf. That's it. I don't know why it doesn't hurt doing anything, but that exact motion. So it's God's way of saying, just don't be an idiot this year. Don't screw this up. I'm giving you the chance, my son. So don't screw it up. Yeah, literally. It's like, I've literally <laughs> found the one injury that allows you to do what you love and need to do for a living, but you can't go be an idiot and get hurt playing hockey. That is like, life's really cruel, but almost. I wish I didn't pay for the season before that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Oh, the second some... week of our beer league season i'm like man i really wish i at least did that three weeks ago but <laughs> works out oh goodness gracious i sometimes with life you just know i can't i can't sometimes exactly you know? That's... yeah <laughs> it worked Let's out talk... i'm happy about it there you go i'm gonna say with hockey season still ongoing at least on the professional side let's talk a little bit about that now I am not an apologist that my Boston Bruins are in it. I am sorry, though, that your Washington Capitals did not make oh, it this time. I'm stoked. Oh, are you, so yeah, I was going to say, how excited are you about the uh, postseason? Yes, uh, I was actually, while I was eating like five minutes ago, five minutes before we started, I was reading some athletic articles about like uh, the Caps and their coaching changes. And I'm just excited that they're like rebuilding. For me, I get way more fun out of watching like the young guys that are scrappy, trying to make the team, trying to make a name for themselves, maybe kind of like the Xfinity series, than watching like veterans. And I love everybody in the caps. I'm actually, I know a few of them, not trying to sound like I'm cool. I pretty much just have their Instagram with DM. That's about it. But it's, it's cool to see those guys like really make a name for themselves and wonder about their potential and like where they're going to end up. And Caps are in that weird spot right now where I'm hoping they have a good draft pick. I think it's like 20 days out from now. So I've been checking that like every day, even though nothing changes. Like I'm going to Tankathon site and just do the lot draft lottery simulator and just watch to see how good they are. But I'm actually rooting for the Bruins, though. I am because uh, Garnet Hathaway and Dimitri Orlov, two former Caps there, and uh, hoping they win a cup there. Thank you for saying that. And I know you're not just saying that because we're buddies and all, but because of the <laughs> fact that you had that Caps connection. Yeah, oh, me too, man. was one of my favorites too. So like, I, I love the way he plays hockey. He's basically the way I played hockey, which is just a complete maniac and <laughs> ran ran around and, oh, wife's calling. Yeah, there we go. Uh, <laughs> he runs around like an idiot and just starts stuff and basically does anything he needs to be on the team. Because I didn't have a lot of talent in hockey. It was just run around and, try to get in fights and protect the guys that were skilled. 
see that that's the role I would play too. I love those kind of players, to be honest. I mean, yeah, you, you get the top goal scorers, you got the Ovechkins, you got the Martians, Pasternak's, um, you know, Connor McDavid and all that. And see, I do watch hockey. Yeah, um, I love McDavid, yeah. Oh, it's hard not to. I love hockey, but I mean, I love watching Hathaway. I love seeing Frederick out there. Um, oh I'm naming, I mean, all of these guys, because, you know, they're they're scrappy. They're they're protecting their line mates. They're yeah. doing what they have to do. I wasn't protecting anybody. I'll tell you that. I was just taking the beatings that they did. They were supposed to take if I didn't take them. My job was just to make people mad at me so they didn't go after our stars. And I just basically just get, well, like half of my fingers are all broken. I can't like straighten fingers. I have, I've broken all of them, broken ribs, collarbone, everything. Just because you should just, that was my job. Just get beat up basically for a living. And Oh my goodness. Well, not for a living. I just basically did it to play college hockey. <laughs> that was my whole gig. Oh my gosh. I mean, I have dealt with the kind of bent finger on my right hand, but to, Broken fingers and everything. Ooh, oh, yeah, man. All Jack, that one's not even straight. That one doesn't straighten out. That one doesn't straighten ever. All the knuckles are all messed up from fights and stuff. Ooh, boy, oh, boy. I mean, at least, I guess, if there's a legitimate excuse, you could say, well, it's hockey. Yeah, exactly. I say that, and then I could tell the grid that, and then they hopefully won't drive as stupid around me, but I don't think it's helped me yet. <laughs> I can't throw will. a punch, but I can take them. I don't know if that really intimidates anybody. <laughs> Just don't have the sign in the back of your jersey that says, uh, Ellis, I can take it. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave that out. <laughs> exactly. Now for my last question for you, my friend, and we'll, we'll have you back on the hot seat again, I promise. Um, what song from the past or present do you feel best re- represents you as a driver and as a person? Oh, my God. I actually have a good answer for that. I like, thought I was not going to have anything. Uh, I don't really name it off the top of my head. Um, I think it's Doing It by Luke Combs. You know that song? I do not. It's so it's not a very deep song. Um, it's a cool meaning behind it. Um, it's basically it, it is one of the more common questions you get um in interviews. It's like if you weren't doing this, what would you be doing? And he said I'd still be doing this. So it's like whether he's playing at the Grand Ole Opry or he's playing in some small old like small town around, he'd still be doing it. Um, and that's like basically what happened to me is like, what would you be doing if you weren't racing? I'm like, what do you mean? That's like I'd be trying to do this. That's pretty much what I'd be doing. Granted, I have the mechanical abilities of my one and a half year old daughter. So like I couldn't be putting a car together, but I'd be trying to sell a sponsorship to go run a legends car. I'd try to run the chili bowl every year. Like I'd never, I do it cause I love it. It's not cause you know, it's, I make money doing it. It's certainly not that I'll tell you that. But um, yeah, I think anybody that hasn't heard that song, it's a really cool song that I play quite a bit. We'll have to check it out and I'll give you my opinion on that off the record, of course, yes. but uh, I don't listen to a lot of country, but that's, a, I'm glad you gave me that recommendation just because I'm always op- open to listening, listening it'll to other stuff. To so yeah, you, yeah, it'll appeal to you just with your journey and like where you're at in your life too. Like when people ask me, I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> I literally am basically like every day I'm on the verge of losing my job. So like, I'm basically just in that position right now. Like I'm just trying to race. You are basically just giving yourself the, I guess I call it the honest evaluation of saying there's no certainties in life. If I get up and I'm still in this role, well, I'm going to just try to do everything I can to do better and better each day I can be out there. Yep. And it took me long enough to get here. I'm going to work just as hard, if not harder to like, not to lose it all. I don't want to lose it. Like it's, 
freaking so hard to get here. I'm not gonna, I'm like running from the, you know, everything that could make me lose this basically. You're gonna do just fine, my friend. And this this will not be the first time in 2023 that we talk to each other. So sure. uh before I do wrap it up, do you have anything you want to say to the racing fans, APR fans, anyone out there? No, I just appreciate everybody's support. Like, you know, we're a small team there. Um, believe in our team because I, I see so many people like, man, Alpha Prime's falling off. I'm like, we really have it, man. There's just so many good cars this year. Like, you just gotta look at like where we're stacking up. And I think things will eventually shake out and new rules change really hurt us, I think, at the at the mile and a half and like bigger track stuff. Like it, just because we don't have an alliance. We're truly like the biggest team that doesn't lease motors every week and that doesn't have like manufacturer support to the to that extent as far as I know. Um there might be some teams that are a little bit bigger than us, but there's a lot of levels of small teams and we're about I mean we're in my opinion a really cool team to root for just because we're 15 to 20 guys that are working on three cars and trying to make it. So have faith in us and we we do appreciate the support because my sponsors definitely see it. It means a lot to us. You bet. And uh, APR Nation is about one of the most enthusiastic racing fans I know around. So awesome. You, you, you've got it. You're, you're in the right hands and you're one of the best drivers they can have to make Thank it happen. You. I appreciate so, it. Absolutely. And that was Ryan Ellis on the bottom half or second half, the, the bottom of the inning, if you will, of TPF Live. I'm sorry. I'm talking about all kinds of sports here because it's, it's spring and it's, it's a beautiful day here in the to TPF Live studios. Um, but my things, of Even course, to Ryan. TPF Live Studios. It's also a very nice day. I just got back from the golf course. So there you go. So we're we're just thinking. Yeah, we're we're just thinking about the outdoors, even though we're inside of our our mobile studios, if you will. But uh, yeah, it's hard not to think about other sports besides racing when it's so nice outside. But uh, you know, I definitely want to give some thanks to Ryan for taking the time to talk with us, and I'll be dropping an article about him just before the Xfinity race. And then next week, we'll do a few, the full Q&A version of my interview with Ryan. Um, so I want to thank him as well and David Schildhouse for, you know, reaching out to us about that great news release. And uh, certainly, we're more than happy to do other stories about Alpha Prime Racing and, and profile the men and women at that shop as well. So just keep us posted, David. We'll, we'll do our best as we can. So with that, folks, I think Nathan and I are going to go hit, hit up the great outdoors or watch some sports in a bit, but um, it's going to be an awesome race weekend and Talladega, always a little bit of craziness that happens. So we'll wrap this up here in a bit, but I also just want to wish my team, our team rather, Trish McCormick, Stephen Conley, and Riley Thompson, the best of luck this weekend at Talladega. I know Trish is already there. So uh, she's in the last of her four race weekend stretch. Well, that's workhorse material. So take it easy after this weekend, Trish. But uh, she'll begin a streak next month again. But I can't imagine doing four races in a row as a photographer. But kudos to her. She's been doing a great job with that. That, and uh, yeah, we just we just have, we have a lot of action to cover this weekend. I, we also have um, some. We have a photographer for the Supercross race in um, MetLife Stadium as well. So we're everywhere, people. So get to know us. We're not going to go anywhere anytime soon. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And just stay tuned to our TPF socials because we're going to talk about who's going to be at the next races in the month of May. You know what that means, folks, in the month of May, Indianapolis 500 time and Coke 600, of course. So 
We're getting wrapped up here for the best month of racing. But before that happens, we better wrap up this show because we'll have plenty of time to talk about some motorsport shenanigans on TPF Live. So for Nathan Solomon, Brendan Jones, and Ryan Ellis, I'm your host, Rob Tionson, saying thanks so much for tuning in to TPF Live, episode number 66. You can catch previous episodes on Spotify, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts. And for next week, it's going to be all about front row motorsports with Travis Peterson and Michael McDowell, a front row motorsports edition of TPF Live for Dover. So look forward to that, folks. I know Nathan is, and I know I am too. So as we say all the time on our show, let's all go get that checkered flag. And until next time, so long, everyone. <laughs>